This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Good morning, church. We're gathering this morning in 15 small groups across our church because of the advice we've been given around the coronavirus. Friends, this is a, a difficult season, and it's important that we look after each other in this season, hence the importance of gathering together in small groups. You know, the, the beauty of a small group is that we get to do life together. We get to share where we're at. We get to listen to each other. We get to pray for each other. We get to support each other. So over this next how long, we're unsure, we're going to continue to meet in small groups on Sundays and fortnightly like we always have around small groups, around our life groups, so that we can gather together and support each other as we go through this difficult time around this virus. As we come to the message this morning, we've been working um, through the book of Ephesians. We've done three messages, but I thought today, rather than do go to the fourth message, that we pause and we actually talk about this virus and how we should handle this virus, because this, this, this virus is affecting all of us. Not only is it difficult to buy toilet paper and groceries, but also there's been lots of restrictions put on us. There's been restrictions about how many people can gather. And then we've been given advice around social distancing and traveling, um, washing hands and isolation. The coronavirus has had a big effect on the share market, on people's retirement savings, on jobs, particularly casual jobs, on businesses, on churches. It's had effect on all of us in some way. But I reckon the biggest effect this coronavirus has had is around fear. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you around fear. I want to talk to you about what is fear? What does fear do to us? And then how do we respond to fear, particularly around the coronavirus this morning? So the first thing I want to do is look at what is fear. And here's a definition I found online. It simply says, what is fear? It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. It is an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. The second question is, what does fear do? And I'll come up with four things that fear does. The first thing is that fear cripples us. If you have a fear of public speaking, well, then you choose not to public speak. If you have a fear of flying, not that you can fly at the moment anyway, you are really hesitant in getting on a plane. Fear cripples us from doing the things that we want to be doing, should be doing, fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. The second thing about fear is that it robs us of joy. You know, when we think about the things that make us afraid, we get scared and we focused on those negative things. But the reality is the things that's making us afraid is only one part of life. There are so many other parts that we can be thankful and grateful for. But the thing about fear is that it grabs our attention and we focus on that thing rather than focusing on everything else that's actually great about living in this world and the people that we have around us. The third thing is that it affects others. You know, when we're fearful, it's actually contagious, a bit like this virus, is that if we show we're fearful, then another person could catch that and another person could catch that. And we can see it in the fighting in Woolworths that we've seen in the, in the news. 
that this fear thing about this virus has caught on and people are becoming afraid because of what they're hearing and because of what they're seeing and how people are responding. And the third thing about fear, what does fear do? It motivates us to action. Now, this can be a good thing. If you're walking across the road and you don't notice a bus, but the last minute you see a bus coming, fear rises up inside you, adrenaline rises up inside you, and you do the bolt straight across that street. That's good fear. But the problem with that fear is that it's running on adrenaline. And in short bursts, living on adrenaline is good because it keeps you safe. But living in fear for a long period of time, allowing fear to motivate us, which actually releases adrenaline, that actually can have a really negative effect on our health. This is what fear does. It can cripple us, it robs us of joy, it can affect others, and it can motivate us to action. And in the short term, that's fine, but in long term, that's not a good way to live. We don't want to be living out of fear. So the third question, this is where I want to spend our time this morning, is how should we respond to fear? And I want to take us to a really well-known passage from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. And this is what it says. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and he writes, Do not be anxious or fearful about anything, but in everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then in verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I want to look at each one of these verses specifically this morning as we look at how we should respond to fear. And this is really important in the season that we're in with all the fear around this virus. How should we respond to this virus? How should we respond to some of the feelings that we may be having? How should we respond to the world that is there's, where there's a lot of fear? Well, here the Bible gives us some answers. Going back to verse 6, Paul writes, Firstly, do not be anxious. Do not be fearful about anything. Anything. We shouldn't be fearful of crossing the road. We shouldn't be fearful of planes. We shouldn't be fearful of needles. I'm one of them. We shouldn't be fearful of lizards. I'm also one of them. We shouldn't be fearful of this virus. But in every situation, by prayer, by asking God, committing it to God, and petition, that is regular prayer, ongoing prayer, with thanksgiving, recognizing who God is and what he can do. There's an attitude of, God, we thank you for who you are and what you can do. Present your requests to God. So Paul says, rather than be fearful and anxious, rather pray and commit your anxiety and the things that are making you afraid to him. Now, the question I've got is, why God? Why should we bring our fear and anxiety to God. And in the world today, I wonder if people are thinking about bringing their fears to God. Because what could God really do anyway? Can he make a difference in our our life? Can he help us with this fear? And I want to say this morning, absolutely. We should pray to God for three reasons. Number one, because of who he is. You know, when the Bible talks about who God is, it describes him as the creator of all things. 
of everything that we can see, things we can't even see, the stars, the moon, the galaxies, it is incredible what God has made. And because he is creator, he has power. In Colossians 1, it says that he is the sustainer of all things. Not only does he create it, he holds it together and sustain it. We're told that he is all powerful, that God can do anything. Jesus says that, that, that God is the one that makes the impossible possible. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul writes that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. What we see in God is a God of love and that God loves people. We see in God a God of mercy, a God of compassion. We see in Jesus that God is healer. And friends, because He is all these things, we can put our trust in Him. God is the God who is incredible and powerful. And because of that, we can put our trust in Him. The second thing I want to say about God this morning is that God is the God who is with us. It says in Hebrews chapter 13 that He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And as I was doing some research into this message, I looked up some verses around fear and God being with us. And there are a number of verses in the Scriptures where people write or God says to us, we do not need to be afraid because He's with us. I want to show you a few. In Isaiah 41.10 it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. This is God speaking. Do not fear, for He is with us. In Psalm 94, the psalmist writes, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. In Psalm 23, the psalmist writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will not fear for you are with me. And the final one from Joshua 1.9, a verse that we looked at last year. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This is God speaking to Joshua. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Friends, we do not need to be afraid for God is with us. And friends, if you're a Christian here and you are listening to this message, God is with you. Why should we pray to God? Number one, for firstly, because of who he is. Number two, this God who is all powerful, creator, sustainer, healer is actually with us. And the third thing I want to point out for us is that God has power for us. Here, number one, we find out that he's all powerful. Number two, this all powerful God is with us. And number three, this power that he has is for us. Two weeks ago, I brought the message from Ephesians 1 um, and the second part of that from verse 15 through 23. And about halfway through that text, we read this. Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know. He prays two things. And then the third thing he prays in verse 19 that we may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Friends, God has power for us. The same power that he used to raise Christ from the dead and seat him at his right hand is the same power that God has for us. Here we see we, we should pray to God. Why God? because of who he is, because he is all powerful. He can do things that are far beyond anything we can ask or imagine. 
This God who is all-powerful is with us and he has power for us. That's why we should pray to God. That's why we should get our anxiety and by prayer and petition continue to hand it over to him. That's why we should pray to him. The second part of this text from Philippians chapter 4 looks at verse 7. He says, after we have prayed and committed these things to God, this is what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Once we pray to God, God gives, then gives us his peace. I want to go back to tell you a story about this, why we should pray to God, because it's an illustration that I think will help you get this. About four and a half years ago, we did a knockdown re- rebuild. God um, has been very kind to us as a family, and we, and we, built, a, we built a brand new house, and it's wonderful. And, and we, we got a building company to build it for us, but I had to do the landscaping. And I had to do the, um, the back garden and then the front garden. I built um, treated pine sleeper boxes that I put in the ground for the garden to separate the grass from the plants. And as I was digging with my mattock in the front yard, I was digging down and down until I hit the main water pipe from the street, the house, and water burst everywhere. Now today they use plastic pipes and I, and I put a crack in the plastic and the water burst everywhere. I raced, turned off the, the, the water meter, and I thought to myself, what am I going to do now? And I immediately thought of going across the road to, my, to one of my neighbours called Frank who can do anything. He's great at electrical. He's great at plumbing. He can do anything. And I went and knocked on his door and I said, Frank, can you help me? I didn't go to my accountant because I didn't think he could help me. I didn't go to my mortgage broker because I didn't think they could help me. I didn't go to my doctor or my pharmacist. I didn't go to any, I didn't go to my wife. No offense, Michelle. I didn't go to my children because I didn't think they could help me. I went to the one who I believed who could help me. And when Paul writes, when, when, when Paul writes, we should pray to God, he tells us to do that because he knows the one who can help us. And that is the one who is all powerful, who is with us, and that power is for us. When we go to him, he is able to make a way where there is no way. And when we do that, when we go to him, when we commit our stuff to him, he then gives us his peace in verse 7. This peace which transcends all understanding, God will give you a peace that goes beyond understanding. See, understanding the natural thing to do when things are going wrong is to be fearful. But this peace that God gives you goes against that. Because we've handed it over, we said, God, you deal with it. He then gives us his peace. And where does the peace go? It guards our hearts, our feelings, but it also guards our minds, our thinking. This peace guards our feelings and it guards our thinkings in Christ Jesus. Now, this promise, friends, are for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're listening this morning and you're a Christian this morning, you are in Christ Jesus. So God has this peace for you. And friends, if you're not yet a Christian, This peace is available to you as you commit your life to Jesus, as you ask him to forgive you for your sin, as you put your trust in him who is risen from the dead, 
And as, as, as you choose to follow him all the days of your life, that's how you become a Christian. And this peace is available for you. Now, how does God give us this, give us this peace? He gives us this peace through his Holy Spirit. Now, back in Ephesians 1 verse 14, it says that God puts his spirit in us, which is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. But the spirit of God isn't just a deposit. The spirit of God does many more great things than that. When we talk about God's peace, he does it by spirit. And God's spirit, it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, is not a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of love, of power, oops, power, love, and a sound mind. This is how God describes the Holy Spirit. The spirit that God has given us is not one that makes us be afraid, but rather the spirit that God has given us is one that gives us power, that gives us love, and a sound mind. This spirit is also described in Galatians 5 as, this, um, as the spirit who works in us and changes us. And as the spirit moves in us and changes us, it breeds fruit in our life. And this fruit is love. The outworking of the spirit in us is love, is joy, is peace, is forbearance, is kindness, is goodness, is faithfulness, is gentleness and it's self-control. This is the outworking of the Spirit. This is the outworking of the Spirit in our lives. This is what God gives us. And as we come under his authority, as we commit our fear to him, our anxiety to him, God then, we, we then create an environment where the Spirit of God can work in our life. And God says, work there because they've handed their, their fear over to me. Work in that person's life. Bring peace to that person. Bring love. Bring self-control. Bring, bring all these things, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, into this person's life. The third verse in Philippians chapter 4 is in verse 8. And I love verse 8 because not only does Paul say in verse 6, commit your anxiety to God, verse 7, then God give you his peace. Verse 8 says, well, then what do we do? It gives us our next step. And here's your next step. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, there, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, the thing about fear is that it grabs our thoughts and we put our attention on it. But when we hand that fear over to God and God gives us our peace, it, it allows us to put our mind in other places. And here Paul says to put our mind on things that are true, that God is for us, that is never against us, things that are noble and things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely things that are admirable, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. It's about recognising the things that God has given us and celebrating them. In Colossians 3, it says, set your hearts and your minds on things above, things around the things that God is doing, the things that God has given us, the good things around family, things that you enjoy, hobbies. 
If you're into fishing or boating like me, think about those things. Those things are excellent. Those things are, are praiseworthy. Think about the kids and what God has given you. Think about the health that you have and the food that we do have. And rather than get, getting caught up in the fear of what if this happens, put your trust in God. So the summary of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, is the first thing he says is don't be anxious. Rather, with the anxiety, give it to God. Commit it to God in prayer. The second thing, as you do that, God gives you his peace. And the third thing, what we see here, is that we're to put our mind on things that are good. Take our mind off the stuff and put it on good. And when we do that, the result is we live the life that God wants us to live. You know, God doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live by faith living a life where we're trusting him, where we are relying on him. And when we do, I reckon people will notice. There's a lot of fear in this world. There's a lot of fear. People are acting in strange ways. We see it all over the, the our news and the media, they're acting in strange ways because of what could happen. And it's easy for us to join them to be a part of the fear and to go along with what everyone else is saying. Or we can choose to live differently, to commit our fear to God, to trust him, allow his peace to fill us, to touch us, and to put our mind on things that are good, on things that are right, on things that are praiseworthy. And I reckon if we live in that way, we are truly being the light that Jesus wants his church to be. We're truly being the salt that God wants his church to be. You know, friends, the uh, God's church is the answer for humanity's issues. We as the church carry the message of the gospel. We carry the message of hope. We carry the message that there is no fear in death because in death there is eternal life. There is no fear in sickness because Jesus, friends, is our healer. There is no fear in running out of services or running out of toilet paper or running out of food or money for God is our provider. Friends, this is the good news. This is the good news that we can trust God, that we can rely on God. We don't need to live in fear. So as, a, as you finish up your morning in your, in your small groups, I would love you to stop and I'd love you to pray together around this world. If there's people in your group that are fearful, I encourage you to pray for them. Life group leaders ask, is anyone feeling fearful? And stop and pray for them. And then pray for our community, pray for our leaders, pray for this world. That fear will not be the thing that drives us, but rather that people will put their trust in God. They will know who He is, they will trust Him, they will commit to Him and God will give them peace and will think about things that are good, not a fear, but things that are praiseworthy. Thanks for being part of it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 